Hello, and welcome to the 70th installment of the Racket Boy podcast. My name is Dave Heineman, and I'll be one of your hosts as we continue to explore retro games and game culture. I'm joined by my co-host, John Stringer. John, how are you tonight? Hello, everyone. Number 70. What number did I join in on? I think somewhere in the upper 20s, lower 30s, right? Yeah, I think I think you're about half of them now. Uh, no, I was thinking, more than I was, half. More than half now. Uh, yeah, it was around 30 or 35. It was definitely in the 30s when you joined. So uh, I, I I would guess that you might only be one or two over half. But uh, yeah, either way, you've been you've been here for quite a few of them. We also started doing them a lot more frequently with or, you too, yeah, right? Yeah. So but regardless of time, you could still hear me on more than half of them. Yes, that's true. That's true. That there was number 31 when I joined in. Okay. Okay, so yeah, you actually hit that milestone a while ago then. Yep, so. on episode 62, so... Yeah, we've actually been uh, a little bit more slow, I would say, the last month or two with uh, with shows. We did, uh, last time we did a regular show was uh, early December. Yeah, it was um, right before uh, Christmas and uh, New Year's, I believe. Yeah, the outline, I think, had, what, December 6th or something on it? Was it that long ago? Yeah, I think it was a while ago. Um, yeah, then maybe it came out within a week or so after that. And and then I did the uh, the charity auction thing, and yep. you did a, an interview without me. And so, I mean, we've had shows, but it's been a while since we've sat down and talked. That is true. Yeah, busy uh, family stuff for the holidays, and I got really sick. Yeah. yeah. We brought the uh, family holiday plague together, and <laughs> a lot, most of all of us got strep throat, so. Ugh. I, I think I got sick from the same thing. My throat never really hurt. But as soon as my daughter got sick, I started popping uh, antibiotics that I still had left over. So mm-hmm. maybe that I still got a little bit sick, but maybe I prevented uh, some of the infection from really spreading. But who knows? Yeah. yeah. Well, did you did you have a nice Christmas and a good, good uh, sort of holiday season? Yeah, it was fun. Um, my daughter turned one, uh, third, and we're going to have a party for her the fifth in San Antonio, but... She got sick the day before, so we had to cancel or postpone it till uh, this weekend. So, oh, okay. So, big first birthday party coming up. Yep, yep, pretty much, and uh, not too much else. I know you took a big uh, trip to Europe. Yeah, I went uh, to to the Netherlands for a week. Uh, I had a conference uh, for I guess three days or so. Um, about uh, I guess forty minutes, half hour, forty five minutes south of of Amsterdam, uh, outside of a town called uh amsfort for you know our maybe one or two people who listen from the netherlands might know where that is um but uh you know i spent a couple days in amsterdam before that and then afterwards uh went to uh a few other cities i went to utrecht and i went to uh the hague uh on my on my way back to the airport eventually so it's my first trip to the netherlands and uh had a nice time got to uh, go to a couple of museums and check out, you know, different things at Amsterdam and, uh, other parts of the Netherlands are famous for and saw some windmills and, uh, had a pretty good conference as well. And, uh, my, my paper was well received. It's always, always, you know, you never know. It was, it was, my, I was the only American at the conference, hmm. uh, who still lives in America. So there were, uh, there were, I guess, three other Americans anyway, maybe more, but three, three more that I talked to, uh, two of which lived in Canada and one of which lived in Italy. So, uh, that was, that was kind of unusual. It wasn't a very big conference. It was maybe 75 people or something like that. Okay. Um, but, uh, which was nice. It was, you know, sort of a nice small conference, got to have multiple interactions with people and, uh, it was, it was pretty good. Um, and it was a. I guess our listeners would be interested. No, it was a uh, at least somewhat a game studies related conference. So, uh, 
This was uh, it was called Games of Late Modernity. If you want to look it up, uh, and I've been I've been really busy with the the game study stuff uh, the past month. The other thing I did over the the, the time since we last had our recording is uh, put together and edited and uh, did some work on an, an essay uh, actually about retro gaming uh, that uh, takes an academic approach to the topic uh, that you, you can find if you want to read something I've written. You can go to gamescriticism.org. It's a new game studies journal, and uh, I have an article in the, the premier issue uh, that uh, I, you know, I, I've, I've actually kind of had kicking around for a while, and uh, think this was the right audience for it so if, if you don't like academic writing though you'd hate it it's pretty pretty boring and dry uh <laughs> for, probably for most probably for most of our listeners academic writing is means writing for other professors generally yeah <laughs> or 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 you know intelligent people oh okay. <laughs> but too uh, much thinking too much thinking right yep. right yeah but uh yeah, so that's, uh, you know, a lot of what I did over the break and just otherwise, you know, hanging out with family. We had a nice Christmas and everything as well. Um, I didn't get in near as much gaming as I, uh, might normally do over break. I've kind of slacking off on that. Uh, I haven't kind of been digging into any prolonged game or, uh, playing anything that's much different than probably what I was playing in early December other than a few, you know, one-offs here and there. But uh, we can talk about that later. Let's start with you. What have you been? What have you been playing? Have you uh, made any interesting pickups? What, what's going on with that stuff? Uh, yeah, I've been playing uh, Ogre Battle again for our uh, together RPG, and uh, that one's getting some pretty good uh, uh, dialogue with mostly me, Popo, Ak, and a few others that, that are looking to jump into it. And I've beaten this game several times, and it's one of my favorites. And I'm, I'm glad it was uh, selected by our together rpg committee to to play it's a real uh, unique game i think and uh something that offers uh, a lot of uh strategy and unit building and what have you so uh i've been i've been getting in about a scenario a night for the last week or so then also played the banner saga uh finally for you know our friends that we've interviewed and we'll talk about them here a little bit again too and I love the game so far. Uh, I played the press demo, uh, which is basically the retail game that stops at a, at a certain point in the story. And I, I played it all in one sitting. I was hooked. It was really, really good. Um, the gameplay I was already somewhat familiar with, and I enjoyed that uh, as far as the tactical battle, grid-based battles were are concerned. Uh, but the story it was all new to me, and the way the uh, you interact on the road uh, on your caravan. Uh, if you're someone's familiar with like Kings of Dragon Pass or even somewhat Oregon Trail, where uh, these events occur during, and you have to you know make dialogue choices and ha- how to handle these events, and they all have dire consequences. You could choose this, and one of your characters will die. Or you choose this, and you get a new character, or you lose some supplies or some you know some people in your group, and you know, it, and it looks like it has really lasting effects and impacts on the story, and. Um, it's very, uh, you know, it's not like, oh, you choose a little decision and you lose 20 gold. You know, it really uh, has a major uh, impact. And um, uh, it feels like it, your decisions have a lot more weight uh, than before and there than, than other games that do some similar type of thing. So uh, I was... Fully engrossed into that. I need to. I got the retail version came out, and I really need to get back into that and 
uh, go at it from from the the entire playthrough from the beginning to end. So is is uh is the release is it is it the full is it a full final thing is it is it episodic? I'm trying to remember. It's kind of episodic, uh, but this is like the first game, and it's uh, I think they're. Uh, I think the other episodes are, are kind of maybe like mini sequels. I, I think you're supposed to be able to to play the the first uh, scenario as one item and not be left too much hanging. So okay, okay. So I hear noises in the background. What's, yeah, what's going um, on? Yeah, it sounds like a another smoke detector just started beeping. I, I was wondering if you like set that up deliberately. No, and <laughs> none have beeped in like the last month. <laughs> and this hasn't beeped at all since that was the first time. You, you haven't heard it up until now. We've been, no, I, I hadn't. No. Yeah, just, that one just started. Now I think that one's downstairs. So I'm about to go get my baseball bat and bash it open. So <laughs> I'm tired of. I've gone through two packs of, uh, of nine volt batteries because that's all those things take. And yeah, right. I have a new house, so of course they stick about five of them in every room. Yeah, and then the hard part is actually listening and figuring out which one it is. <laughs> yeah, it's uh it's a nightmare. Yeah, I, I'm I'm convinced that really that's the only reason nine volt batteries are still around is that it's a, some sort of a deal between battery companies and the smoke detector companies because I, I very few other things that I've ever bought have required RC, them. RC car con- uh, remotes is the only other thing I know of. Yeah, it's probably too small of an industry though to support nine volt battery production. Probably alone. they would just have to adapt. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's uh, there you go. Uh, Apple, enjoy my more smoke alarm. Yep, there it goes. Yeah, yep, yep. it's going to piss me off. But do anyway. Do you want to go shut it off? Uh, Yeah, I guess we can okay. pause it. And then Apple can, well, we can just let it run. Apple can come back and uh, well, I gotta edit go this part it. out. All right, I'll wait. <laughs> What do you know? It stopped beeping when I went downstairs. Really? Yeah. Have you heard it? <laughs> no, I figured you changed it. No, I can't. <laughs> so now you don't know which one it is. I have no probably, idea. And it's it probably going to go off again. <laughs> yeah, it's like one of those Looney Tunes cartoons or something. <laughs> you, what you don't know is I have a remote here, and I yeah. can uh, remotely control your smoke detector. <laughs> All right. Wow, that's funny. It's infuriating. Yeah, well, I guess we'll just keep going. If it goes off again, you can go on it down again. <laughs> <laughs> so all right yeah uh, and uh so i encourage you guys that have followed us and and have interested in those uh strategy rpg ish type games and uh actually i forgot those mission the art is awesome i think it's getting mm-hmm. rave reviews uh from most online sites if not for you know strong gameplay and and, and unique you know game mechanics but for it's uh you know great art I've seen very few negatives and uh, maybe just a couple of lukewarm reviews, but most of them have been in the, you know, 80s, low 90s-ish area. So mm-hmm. check yeah. it out. And uh, some pickups. I did get a boxed uh, AD&D Dragon Strike for the NES. And it's nothing too special of a game, but it's one of the more rare, I guess there's four D&D games on the NES, and it's probably... The rarest, maybe second rarest, along with Hillsfire, which I already had. So, mm. 
I've been kind of looking for that. That was the only D&D NES game I didn't own. So, Are they any That's, fun? Uh, that one, that one's more like a shmup, actually. Really? You fly the dragon. It's not, it's like an adventure shmup, I guess. You take an overhead, you fly on a dragon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, <laughs> overhead flying on a dragon and, uh, you shoot, you know, your fireballs at enemies and such. So it's not like a, uh, traditional RPG or anything like that. But the other ones are, Various RPG games and that were on, you know, the PCs and Commodore 64 back in the day that they ported over to the NES. So, so, so because it's a more of a shmup type game, does that mean you're you're less likely to play it, or more likely to play it than the others? Neither. Uh, n- no, it probably makes no real effect. All right, let me go fix this damn thing. <laughs> Hold on. Found it. All right. Yep. <laughs> no. Now. Now. Midway through the show, another one will uh, start going. Right. Oh, I hope not. <laughs> it took me. I went to the first one. I thought it wasn't wooden. It. Yeah. <laughs> so. All right. Well, hopefully that's that's enough of that. Yep. Uh, okay. Well. Uh, then I also got a TV from Rackaboy member Eight Bit. It's a really large thirty-six inch Sony Vega, which. If any of you are familiar with it's about 250 pounds. And, yeah, uh, yeah. It was hell getting it upstairs. <laughs> yep, I would think. And uh, I used to deliver them all the time, but it's been a while since I've done all that, so it was uh, quite the chore. Yeah. But worth it. It looks really nice. Yeah, I used to sell them, but I, I only <laughs> ra- rarely had to deliver them. I worked at uh, Sears Electronics when I was uh, uh, in, in my master's program, so... Um, yeah, I, I used to sell them all the time. They were sort of top of the line TV back in the day. Well, they were, and they were expensive too. Back yep, in you know, oh one through oh three oh four. Yep, yep. So yeah, I'm sure things look great on that. Yeah, they do. It looks really nice. It's big in the room, and I need to take uh, new pictures of uh, my retro room sometime soon. The the old ones I have up my uh, collection thread are very outdated now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I haven't updated my thread either. someday. Besides your. Uh, European extravaganza. What else have you done? Uh, well, as far as uh, playing and picking up stuff, uh, I actually, when I was uh, in, in Europe, I did go into a couple of game stores and kind of look around for some of those. Uh, uh, it was mostly all they had uh, that were was older was like PS2 games. So uh, I looked for some PAL PS2 games that I know uh, are, are worth more that I had interest in checking out, but uh, came up empty. Uh, so really, I mean, the other, the only stuff I've really picked up of, uh, of late, other than, you know, things in all the, uh, the online Steam sales and whatnot, and maybe some Christmas presents, uh, was uh, a couple of pinball games that, uh, I'd been keeping an eye on. So, uh, I picked up Pinball Graffiti, which is a Jap- Japanese, uh, import for the Saturn, and, uh, I picked up, uh, Intellivision Pinball, uh, which will, uh, go great with the, uh, the Intellivision lot that I won in the charity auction, which actually just arrived today, um, and, uh, hopefully get to, to try that out sometime soon. Uh, so, I mean, that's, that's really it. I mean, I didn't get 
like amazing deals or anything like that on any of them, but longtime listeners know that uh, I've been slowly acquiring uh, every pinball game ever made, you know, digital video pinball game. And uh, I'm getting down to it. I mean, I'm getting to where there's really not too many more out there that I don't have some version of. Yeah. Um, you know, there's, there's still, there's still some out there, but it's really, uh, and Hobie's been doing this too for, for years. <laughs> so we, we, uh, sort of both working on, on getting that done. I've kind of done this with, uh, um, RPGs, but I think you start to get to a point where some of the RPGs are, or whether or not the RPGs are sub- subjective or not. And, uh, like with Zelda games. Yeah. Well, that one's not even really, a, <laughs> That one's not even close, but there's some others that are even more borderline than Zelda. I'm like, yeah, it's got some RPG in it, but well, it's just a game I don't care for, like some of the Pokemon clones and right. crap like that. So, But as far as, you know, major JRPGs and even most Western RPGs, I think I have a good bulk of them, you know. And this also doesn't count, you know, some of these obscure systems as well that, you know, like some of the 3D RPGs that I'm missing and... I would They're think there's a lot of there's a lot of PC RPGs out there from yeah and like eighties and nineties yeah exactly those are I want to get all the old gold box uh, D and D type games yep um, but you know as far as it's just there's there there are a bunch and uh, I guess I'm sticking more closer to the uh, console releases but right I'm getting I would say uh, there's not really any real big RPG that I'm missing I should say that that I really want so. At least, at least I'm there in that regard. Oh, I, I know something else I, I picked up. Hmm. Uh, I, I picked up uh, the with, with uh, it's a holiday sale they had with some of my Christmas gift money. I picked up um, the uh, Dragon Age Book of Thetis, the collector's edition. Oh, nice! Um, which it comes with uh, a uh, like a lithograph, and it comes in a real nice slipcase with this sort of like you know velvet lined and so forth. Um, really gorgeous compendium of like everything about the the world of Dragon Age through the the first two games and some of the uh, the novels and other stuff as I well. I need that. Yeah, it was. Uh, I actually meant to send you a link because it was the Bioware store had it for. I think it was. It, I think it's normally like an eighty eighty five dollar book for the special edition. And I wow. think it was closer to sixty. So okay. I mean, it's still not cheap. It's mm-hmm. still you know the price of a game, but um, you know it's one of the nicer nicer art books. I also picked up the uh, the Art of Mass Effect. Um, okay. Which is uh, you know, sort of a more standard uh, hardback art book. If you if you have like the art book for um, uh, other recent Dark Horse stuff, like for The Last of Us or Bioshock Infinite, it's pretty similar to mm-hmm. those. But uh, I, I think uh, I could see myself kind of moving into collecting uh, some art books for for games that uh, I enjoy, and and maybe even some for if it's a good art book for games that I don't even have uh, a ton of interest in the game. If the if the book is worth checking out. So is that um, Mass Effect one just a bunch of uh, different, you know, s- screenshots of uh, Shepard posing and such? No, no, it's um, <laughs> uh, it's uh, it's a lot of different concept yeah, art. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I was making a, a, a bad joke, I guess, but yeah, I'm yeah. sure a lot of planets and uh, vehicles and characters and uh, yeah, like variations on the different yeah. types of species and right. uh, and and there's lots of uh, commentary on sort of how they made decisions and why and. Um, I haven't read all of it. I've, I've mostly leafed through uh, the first half or so and read a few things along the way. But, uh, yeah, I mean, video game art books are uh, are, are pretty cool. I, earlier this year, I picked up that Art of Final Fantasy 
uh, yeah, set. That. That's that's pretty nice too. It's that's probably the nicest one I have. Although the Dragon Age one's really nice. I want um, the Final Fantasy. I really really wish I got that collector's one where the uh, illustrator signed it. And but I think they really limited how many of those of those went out. So yeah. Well, and I mean, frankly, as, as I've as I've had these, like I think if I had one that was signed, mm-hmm. um, it'd probably be like having a game that was really valuable that was sealed. Yeah. Like I, I probably wouldn't enjoy it. I'd probably just put it on a shelf. And say, hey, look at this cool thing I have. No, that's um, what I do with art. But I have a problem with art books. I, I like the concept of them and I like yeah. having them, but I usually get them and I like leave there and they sit on the shelf forever. Right. Right. And I don't really. Oh, I mean, I have a sudden urge to go pick up my. Uh, Zelda art book, you know, and and go leave, you know, go examine yeah. some of the art. It's like I think I should, but I just don't for whatever reason. Yeah, the Hyrule Historia one, that one. Yeah, 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 really, yeah. yeah. So I have it, and I kind of got it for my wife too, but I haven't really looked at it. We both really wanted it, but we both neither of us have really gone through it all that much either. So I guess it's yeah. I mean, the, the way that uh, I, I think uh, it makes sense to digest them is just to kind of. Uh, to, to do it all in one setting and kind of sit down for an hour or two with the book and, cause there's mm-hmm. not generally a lot of reading in them. Right. Um, at least, you know, Picture I mean, book. I guess it depends on your reading speed, right? But, uh, you, you can read most of what they have written in the captions and so forth, usually in a couple hours in most art books. And, uh, it's, it's an interesting way of kind of, uh, spending some time with a series, uh, or revisiting a, a game that, you know, you'd like to, uh, remember some stuff from w- without actually having to sit and play through the whole game again. Yeah. Um, so like with like something like the Mass Effect series, I mean, you know, you'd be talking about a hundred plus hours of playtime to maybe remember different things or want to say, what did this look like? What was this world called? That, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, whereas the art book, you can do that pretty, pretty quick. And obviously you can do some of that stuff on the web, but it's a, it's a different type of experience. So, um, but, uh, yeah. And then in terms of, uh, what I've been playing, what's that? That's my cell phone. I forgot to put on silent. Man, you make all that. sorts of noises. <laughs> I know. John's, of, house, of, of, John's of, house of noise. <laughs> yeah, whistles and squeaks and beeps and barking yeah. and all that. Yeah. Um, my wife and baby are out of town, so at least we'll have that yeah, interruption. You're making it, <laughs> so this, uh, it makes it makes the house feel more alive, right? Yeah, I'm making <laughs> up for uh, the other normal noises by adding some of my own. <laughs> um. And, uh, well, as I mentioned earlier, I really haven't been playing a ton of things. I, uh, I have my, uh, Genesis and 32X stuff hooked up to the TV here in the study, and I've been messing around with that a little bit. But, uh, I, I've actually been playing racing games, uh, quite a bit over the last couple of weeks. Um, I'm probably about halfway or maybe a little bit further past the, uh, the campaign in, uh, Need for Speed Rivals. Um, I've heard pretty good be- things about that. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. Um, and I like the fact that, uh, you know, there's kind of a structured progression and it's, it's also like far and away my four year old's favorite game. So like he loves to sit there and have me be the cop and, you know, try to wreck the racers and he likes to take a turn and crash into things. And, um, so it's real fun for us to sit there and play together. And, uh, that's probably why I've been spending some time with that. And then, uh, on the Vita a little while ago for, uh, PS, PS plus had the, uh, Sonic All Stars transformed for free. Mm-hmm. And uh, I picked that up, and I uh, on my trip to Europe, I probably played through about a quarter or a third of that just uh, on the plane and here and there. So um, yeah, I've been playing racing games, but I, I haven't really you know done probably too much else uh, in 2014. You know what um, you need to do? I need to go finish uh, Assassin's Creed Four. No, I I'm play Banner mine. Saga. Oh, that that's a good choice to, <laughs> to get and play Banner Saga because I don't think you've even bought it yet, have you? No, I've not. No, I played a little bit. I played a very little bit of the uh, the free demo, whatever. Yeah, that's just the multiplayer. The the single player, even 
the the battles are much more fleshed out. You have a bunch more characters, and obviously they're all named characters, so you uh, get to uh, know them a bit more. But I think knowing you, I think this will be a game you 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 like. Yeah, I I, I don't have a disinterest in it. I I'm, yeah. I'm interested in playing it, but uh, it's strangely enough, like now that the semester has started, uh, we started back this week to school. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually feel like for the next few weeks here. Um, I'll probably have more free time than I did over the break. Yeah. Uh, for for whatever reasons. Whenever so. these big breaks happen for me, I'm like, yes, I'm gonna get a lot of gaming, and then I get absolutely none in. Yeah. Almost yeah. so, but uh, no, the game I was gonna tell you to play is the Ogre Battle with us, so we can all talk uh, about. It. Well, uh, how, so how similar is it to uh, not, Tactics not Ogre? All. Not at all. Because I like Tactics Ogre. It's more strategy and less tactics. Uh, you form your units. Uh, you can get smaller, large units, but basically you, you put five guys in a unit and you have a unit leader mm-hmm. and you move them across the map in like in real time. You can pause it and issue commands if you want, but it's basically move here, go here. And it's a lot of uh, army building is what you do. Is it so, more like Shining Force-esque? No, Shining Force is more like Tactics Ogre. Okay, so what, so give me a frame of reference. that you. Why do you think I would like it? What, what oh, game I does think it... you'll like Banner Saga. Uh, oh, 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 I don't okay. know if you'll like Ogre Battle. It's one of those okay. games It's uh, it's unique. So yeah. it, it, some people, you know, Ack is all uh, about it, but I couldn't have told Ack if he'd like it or not. I love it. It's one of my favorite games ever. But as far as um, it's one of those weird things where you can't say, oh, well, since I like this, I'll probably like this. I guess if you like RPGs and you like strategy games, you, there's a good chance you'll like it because mm-hmm. uh, it does that. The, the story's not too heavy. Uh, it's more of a at the beginning of each map, you get a little, you know, this is what happened. Then during the battles, depending on the map, you you might get some character dialogue. You 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 know you liberate towns with your armies, and you'll get you know sometimes the, the person of the town will give you some tidbits of you know pieces of the story and such. But it's mostly about the the, the gameplay and the building of your army and forming. You get up to a hundred characters, mm-hmm. and you form them in, in various units. And uh, when you uh, your unit meets an enemy unit. They have a certain amount of attacks depending on what formation you put them in. So either the front row or the back row, like a wizard. If you put them in the front row, just smack them with the staff, which really sucks. But if you put them in the back row, he'll do some magic attacks. And then you give them your your unit a strategy. So you want to go after the leader. You want to go after the the best guy, the the guy with the lowest hit points, or the guy with the highest hit points. So you can kind of somewhat, but certain guys are limited on who they can attack. You know, melee guys can only attack the guy in front of them unless there's no one in front of them. They'll pick. The next closest, depending on what your strategy is. So, uh, they go and they get in their fight. They each do all of their attacks. Say a wizard gets two attacks in the back, and either you kill the other the other unit, or uh, it ends after all of the attacks have been done, and whoever did more damage is the winner. The loser gets knocked backwards off. Uh, you know, they get pushed back from the path they're on, and uh, it keeps going until. And you go back to town and heal up, or you keep fighting it, but you go and you liberate all the towns, and you hold the towns from the enemy, and then finally attack the boss at the end, and defeat the boss, and win the stage. So so, so how long is the game, would you say? Uh, it can get kind of lengthy uh, for your first time through. Someone like me and Popo and such who've played it a bunch, we, we know the ins and outs, and we can kind of whisk through it. I, like I said, I used to be able to beat it. I'd rent it, you know, like a Thursday or Friday, beat it by Sunday, Monday, and turn it in. But, you know, that was you know, me and my friend, you know, really took at it. So, but it's probably mm-hmm. uh, 30, 40 hours. Okay. Because there's 25 battles. And 
some of them are quick, some of them take, you know, an hour or two. So, but there's, you know, there's not a lot of, there's no movement around or anything. You don't explore or anything. You go to the next place or you might have a choice of three or four different places to go to next. And you pick the next battle to go to and you fight. And the only thing you do in between battles is go through your units and, you know, maybe change their class or, or change your formations around or something. So there's not a lot of exploration. It's just battle, battle, battle. But it's, it's a lot of fun. Uh, you know, it's anything. You can check it out on an emulator or something and see if you like it. Sure, yeah. yeah. The, the graphics are pretty, uh, uh, pretty rough, except for when you get into battle. This, I like the, the way the sprites look and, and the way they fight, but the, the overhead map, it's real, you know, little small little sprites that just unanim- are unanimated and they just kind of glide across the map. So I assume the PS1 port's the way to go? Uh, that's the one I'm playing now. I've never played the PS1 port before, mm-hmm. but uh, it, it's there's some uh, some good and some bad. Obviously, with the Super Nintendo port, it uh, you don't have any loading times, so that's yeah. Really well, nice, I was think, I was thinking of uh, loading a ISO onto my PSP. Yeah, that that'd probably be nice. Uh, or you could just get Super. Either one. The the PS1 game's nice is because certain special characters have maybe certain armor colors. Like uh, this one guy, had, you know, his arm is all red. But in the Super Nintendo version, when he promotes to the higher class, he loses that special coloring. In the PS1, he keeps it, so it's an aesthetic thing right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that they may have tweaked some of the AI in the PS1 to be a little tougher. Um, however, I did notice a bug, I think, where a special unit, uh, the cockatrice unit, uh, does this petrify, and it seems like it always misses in the PS1 version. So that's a bug. So, I mean, really, it's you can they're really, really, really similar, and there's nothing changed uh, as far as... This game's got this, and this game doesn't have this. It, it's basically the same thing with the, you know, a fresher coat of paint a little bit, and that's uh, uh, basically about it. To be okay. honest, so okay. you could you could do either. Uh, try it out. I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't say one or the other. Just go with the Super Nintendo because it's, it's the uh, the original. But right, right. Uh, but anyway, I think we also had another question about that, so we'll we'll briefly bring that up again when okay. uh, we get to it. But uh, let's see. I think that's it for uh, that. You ready to go on our news? Uh, sure. Yeah. Well, the uh, the news for the retro gamer. Uh, I I have uh, a story that uh, probably just a more of a reminder, really, than anything. Uh, it'll be inter- I don't know how many of our our listeners follow uh, the homebrew Dreamcast scene, uh, but there are uh, within the next month and a half or two here, there should be uh, two new Dreamcast games that uh, people are uh, would be able to pick up. Um, both of them are shmups. Uh, I know that's kind of a, a criticism some people have of the uh, Dr- Dreamcast homebrew scene is that uh, the vast, vast, vast majority of games that have come out have been shmups. But uh, both of these look to be pretty good. Uh, certainly, the last one, Stormwind, was uh, was excellent. And uh, if uh, if these two are you know anywhere near that good, um, it should be some time, quality time, to spend with the Dreamcast. But the games are uh, Neo XYX, uh, Zaikusu. Which is uh, was one of the games by um, NG Dev. They they made the game first for the Neo Geo, so it's a uh, uh, you know runs on a sort of Neo Geo engine. Um, if you've played some of their other uh, ports to the Dreamcast that were also originally Neo Geo games, you'll have a sense of what to expect. Um, but it's a it's a vertical side scroller, which is a little bit less common for the Dreamcast homebrew scene, and uh, it, it looks like it's uh, really pretty game. And then the other one is uh, something that I, I know we talked about long ago uh, because I kickstarted, uh, and that was the uh, the Redux game. 
Um, I forget what the subtitle of that one is, but uh, this one is now a little bit over a year past their original ship date. Um, but uh, they're supposedly, you know, actually really now shipping it. Uh, I keep getting updates uh, once every couple of weeks, you know, saying, you know, make sure your address is still current. Here, if you want to kick in extra money for sort of priority shipping and tracking, here's how you can do that. And at this point, I think all that should be free. But uh, it, it sounds like it's on its way. So uh, for that one, if you were not in the Kickstarter, I know they're they're still selling. Uh, it's dark Redux Dark Matter. Uh, you can you know do a web search and find a place to buy that. And uh, the Neo XYX Zaikusu, uh you can also uh, buy. That comes out in February, I think. Uh, early in February sometime. So uh, probably in another show or two, I can give my impressions of, of those two games. And uh, yeah, I will say, you know, of all the kind of different retro consoles um, with possibly the except the exception of the, uh, the uh, 2600, I, I would say the Dreamcast has the, the most vibrant homebrew scene. I know there's, there's a fair amount of NES stuff as well, but I feel like those are kind of lower profile releases. Um, and uh I've been impressed by the kind of the quality and uh you know continued legacy of the the Dreamcast games. Have you have you uh picked up and since they're most shmups you probably have less interest, but have you picked up any uh post life Dreamcast games? Uh one. I had that one uh, racing game. Um uh, Rush Rush Rally. Yeah, and I sold it. Yeah. <laughs> it was sealed. So I I've had in my possession Rush Rush Rally from that big lot we bought, but I I'm not a big Dreamcast guy, as you know, so... Yeah, so. I, you know, I, I don't I'm not sure, right I'm now. not sure if I still have that one. That's one that, uh, because it was released on other platforms then. That game actually looked like something I would enjoy, though. Like, the, it was yeah. kind of RC program looking kind of overhead racing, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yep. it looked like something cool. Yep. Um... But, uh, yeah, so that's my news, just uh, reminding folks that there's a couple of interesting Dreamcast games coming out. Uh, I think you know, both of them have some, some talent behind them. Uh, both have gotten good press on kind of early builds, and, uh, you know, it looks like something fun. You're pounding away there on the keyboard, man. Noise, noise it, Central continues. Is it loud? <laughs> yeah, very. <laughs> Sorry. That's all right. <laughs> What's your news? My news. Talking about Banner Saga like I promised. <laughs> uh, the Candy Crush Saga trademark infringement uh, claim against Banner Saga is kind of uh, laughable. Have you, have you seen this? Yeah, actually, I think it's the best thing to happen to them. Uh, frankly, mm-hmm. I think they're getting more publicity because of the, their sort of run-in with this silly thing than, uh, they, than they were than well, and than they were than just for sort of releasing the game itself. Um, That's possible. I, they're I know, getting a lot uh, of extra news coverage that mentions yeah. them. They're getting more mainstream news coverage. They were getting good right. news coverage from you know gaming sites, you know, with reviews and such. But now it's being you know you know on all the major news sites and such. Right, so. keeps keeps the name yep. in people's minds. Yep, and then it pisses people off because how ridiculous it sounds. And I've still seen some people in the comments. I'm going to buy this game just because you know they're getting screwed over. So yeah. you know, hopefully it works out for them. Maybe, maybe for folks who aren't don't know what we're talking about, you want to explain it a little bit? Yeah, uh, Banner Saga. The, the, what King Games, uh, which makes mm-hmm. Candy Crush Saga, those crappy, annoying uh, cell phone games. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a social media game, isn't it? Is it I on cell phones too? Yeah, it's on cell phone. I think it's kind of like Farmville or something like that. Okay. The next one of those where you use kind of like Candyland even. and you, yeah, That kind of crap. I haven't played it, but I a lot of people on Facebook and you know stuff, they talk about it all the time. So. Right. But anyway, uh, 
they filed a trademark uh, infringement thing against Banner Saga for the use of the word Saga. They say they have trademarked that, that word in, in their game, and basically that this game is too much like theirs. It's using Saga, and it's going to trick people into thinking it's Candy Crush Saga somehow. <laughs> yeah, they're which, going after any basically any game with uh, Candy yeah. Crush or Saga in the title, right? And, and Yeah, and I've read that they really don't want to stop Banner Saga from making their game and using it. It's more so that if they don't do it, then there any true claim uh, of, of trademark infringement on some kind of copycat game would be waived because they failed to protect their trademark from other uh, games like Banner Saga. So either way, it's uh, it's somewhat their fault. It's also somewhat the fault of the way the system is, I believe. Yeah, yeah. So they feel they have to do this ridiculous type of... Uh, uh, lawsuit type things just to protect it from those who are actually trying to do what they're trying to protect it from. So, and if they don't do it for all of them, then they basically say, well, you didn't protect it here. So why should you protect it, you know, here instead? So, yeah. Yeah. I but, mean, I understand that a little bit. It's stupid, but I, yeah, it's stupid. Yeah. But I mean, your, your audience for these, you know, lawsuits totally is, not, is not gamers who might know the difference. It's people saying, oh, well, there's this game, you know, it's a game. Yeah. Why didn't you go after it? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that was a uh, since we had had they not been you know guests before I probably wouldn't have used it as news but it felt uh, appropriate just since they've uh, they've been on the show before. Sure, sure. <laughs> yeah, I think I think uh, if uh, you know <laughs> the podcast if the pod if the podcast ever goes under, uh, you you could find a second career as a sound effects guy. Like you could you could just find some podcast that and be like me all the sound all the sound effects you want. I've got them right here at home. I could just keep them going. <laughs> I knocked over one of my uh, air duster canes. Can you do a good computer. beatbox? Let me try that yeah. one next. <laughs> yeah. So you go 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 get go get like a pot and pan, make some thunder noises for us, or <laughs> yeah. <There you go. laughs> so yeah. Uh, all right, today. let's uh, let's keep moving. Do you have any good like transition sound effects? No, that, I thought that ding was it. I guess I was just a little oh, early. Okay, all right, a little early. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so I, I know we're uh, trying to have a more of a main topic uh, from episode to episode. The fact that uh, you'd recently picked up a, a nice uh, Sony TV, uh, and, and I actually, a couple, I guess this was probably in the fall, picked up a uh, uh, Toshiba, more like Toshiba had some pretty nice competitors to those Vegas uh, that were, uh, it basically looked the same, they were just Toshiba, but they had component and flat screen, and uh, I have like a 14-inch one of those that sits uh, next to my computer monitor mm-hmm. um, that I, I hook up retro game consoles to, and... Uh, uh, so, I mean, we both have these kind of nice TVs, and uh, we both have a lot of systems that have various types of either existing ways of connecting them, kind of out-of-the-box or cords that you could buy, or they have ways that they can be modified to in- yep. output better audio or video signals. Okay. So, uh, our, our show has been plagued by technical difficulties and sound effects uh i didn't i i don't i can't remember the last year that uh i experienced a blue screen of death matter of fact if if i would have guessed uh that windows of any kind after xp had blue screens of death i'd have guessed no they don't 
but apparently they do. Um, so I just, I had a blue screen of death for some reason. Never had one before. And uh, I got cut off midway through that last conversation. Uh, but basically I was trying to introduce poorly, probably, uh, this question of whether or not it, it matters, uh, to have the sort of best retro gaming experience to have a connection of higher fidelity. Um, do you think that, uh, you know, a higher fidelity, better quality provides more enjoyment? Does it make it a more or less, uh, authentic or, uh, a more or less, uh, you know, sort of prototypical type of experience to play those games. What What are your thoughts on that? Uh, I want to take the, the cheap way out and say it depends on the person. Um, well, for you, and <laughs> for me, yeah, it does. I, you know, I wouldn't have carried a two hundred fifty pound TV upstairs to get that nicer big TV for the retro room had it not. And I've had several systems modded, like my Genesis has the S-Video mod uh, from uh, Apollo Boy on the forums, and he's modded a couple of my top loaders for uh, composite, and uh, I have the the GameCube uh, uh, component cables and the S-Video hookups for the, uh, the Super Nintendo and the Saturn and such. So, uh, yeah, it's important to me. I like having it. The older I've gotten, the more I care. As a kid, I didn't care. I used to play a lot of shit on RF, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, I couldn't go back to that now. Uh, so yeah, it, it matters, and it helps me enjoy it and appreciate it a bit more uh, to have that uh, the, the best possible connection. Uh, or I always say the best possible because I I don't have the best possible, but I think I have better than the normal. Better than composite for almost all of my systems. Mm-hmm. So well, so what? What about for those systems where that wasn't uh, really an option? So I mean, the Genesis has to be modded uh, to do yeah. S video, and uh, it only put out composite or RF. Uh, don't you think that when they design the games for the system, they they uh, design the sprites and uh, the way that the game moved and the way it looked on the screen uh, to be consistent with a composite signal and that an S video signal? perhaps makes things sharper than they should be? Not necessarily. I think uh, from just my experience and whatever from others is that the S-Video on the Genesis is a vast improvement. Oh, it is, yeah. It was more (laughs) of just a... I don't think they're designed for composite. It was just more of a uh, a, a hardware lack uh, that that they had. Um, Obviously, S-Video, the ability to do that was within the system. Uh, They just... I guess didn't feel the the uh, there. Were, I don't think there's market penetration enough for that input to make it worth their while to have supported that on the system. Mm-hmm. So, do you think that uh, you know uh, it's it's a risky thing to get your systems modded? So you've sent them out. Have you done any of yourself? Uh, besides taking the uh, tabs off the Super Nintendo. <laughs> No, actually, I have. I have modded my Nomads right. with uh, the nicer LCD screen, and uh, that was a vast improvement. I also did the battery mod for myself. So, while I'm not an electronics expert, I am an electrical engineer, so I have some passing and working knowledge of soldering and you know, electric electronics, and you know, I can re- read schematics fairly well and do some of that. It's just uh, digging into some of those bigger systems, I feel... I, I know enough to really mess things up when I <laughs> mm-hmm. kind of thing. So uh, I didn't – for the amount of work it takes, while some of it's fun, the amount of time it takes to do some of those 
uh, AV and audio and S video mods and such in some of the systems. Apollo Boy in the forums is well respected for his mods he's done, and he's cheap enough to where I feel that him doing it in a more professional looking manner and uh, saving the time of me doing it is well worth the, the small fee he charges to, to do this mod. So, you know, if I couldn't get it done anywhere else and it was really expensive, then I'd probably take a, uh, a more, um, uh, personal hand in, in doing the mods myself or, or at least attempting to. But, uh, with, with these alternatives as we have them now, uh, I think I, I feel better just to get off to him whenever I have, uh, some issues like that. Mm-hmm. You know, do, do you uh, do you think that uh, that this is the kind of thing that you'll you'll see uh, even possible in you know maybe another ten or fifteen years? So uh, systems that currently have have digital outputs, uh, is there is there a, a way to uh, to boost their signal in any way on sort of like future uh, you know ultra high def TVs or? Um, well, I guess it all depends on what's the encoded in there or not encoded, but what's the uh, the, the graphical processor of the, the system's capable of. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of them are, are capable of, of what they are. Like a lot of those old systems, they did, you know, could, they, they, they did have the potential to output RGB or S video, whereas maybe some of these newer consoles only output, you know, what, what they put out. So, um, and then you're starting to talk about, it's not just sharpening the edges, you're talking about higher and higher resolutions, which would really change things up. The, the other systems still run off the same resolution. So I don't know if we're going to have that kind of uh, that effect besides, you know, modding systems to get past uh, certain you know, piracy type prevention uh, items or or hacking them to, uh, uh, you know, to install your own uh, softwares on them, which is constantly done to all the newer systems. That's the only thing I can really see being done to those to, uh, to modify them. Right, right. Well, I mean, I guess uh, the, the way the, the question comes up for me sometimes when it comes to playing uh, things like on a, in my main cabinet, um, if I if I play the game on my main cabinet, which is hooked up to a, a CRT TV, um, you know, and it has a uh, uh, what do you call those things on the front, like the the glass on the front um, that uh, you know angled, um, it uh, it. it you know, it isn't a arcade quality monitor. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's less than what that might be, um, but you know, it, it to me looks pretty similar to my experience of what a lot of arcade screens look like. In that, it's not yeah. it's not the same as like if I play an emulator uh, on my PC, where things look sort of super crisp, and uh, you know, you, you, there's no blurriness, uh, the there's no scan lines, any of that stuff. I mean, don't don't you think that? Uh, Having those uh, on your screen makes the experience a bit more authentic to to what what it would have been like to to play it at the time. Perhaps I don't really care about scan lines so much um, myself. Mm-hmm. I know some people really are all about them, but to me, yeah, no, I don't care. It doesn't bother me much. But uh, no, I mean, for the purists, yes. But what about for those who never did play the originals to begin with? They don't really know what's different. Mm-hmm. But to me, I like I said, most of mine was I just had a little RF TV, so most of my consoles were played in RF. So everything's an upgrade now to me. So yeah, uh, it's I, yeah. No, I don't. I don't think I. I know some people on the uh, our listeners uh, and on the forums 
do take that approach to it and really want that authentic feel. But to me, I like the best feasible or, or uh, realistic uh, uh, output and experiences I can, not necessarily the most authentic. Mm-hmm. So uh, this is this is a question I've wondered as well, and I, I asked uh, at the Art of Video Games exhibit um, at the Smithsonian that they, they had, uh, instead of having uh, the sort of classic games running, on CRT TVs, they they had them running on contemporary TVs on uh, like you know 720p or 1080p mm-hmm. type screens, or they had them running through emulators and so forth. Um, and uh, you know their argument was that well these are flat screens and they're much easier to transport and, and take around. Uh, but you know I, I I was a bit put off by that. I mean I I'm of the impression that especially you know maybe okay fine in your home however you like it is fine. But if you're trying to uh, preserve the history of something. Uh, and, and sort of give a sense of what the experience of playing the game was like. I, I think that does a disservice, right? So it, it, uh, lets people think that the, the, the quality and the fidelity of these games for most users and most players is actually much different than what it really was. It, you, you think that's a context where, uh, you know, kind of the best possible quality today, uh, is more of a detriment than a help? Uh, well, see, I don't think the, the those LCD screens are necessarily the best quality either. As the, you know, some it depends on the screen. Sometimes it can give a nice smoothing effect and no glare and a, and a soft uh, screen to look at for your eyes. It also, uh, if they're not the native resolution, you can kind of get some uh, stretching, looking, yeah, yeah some weird weird uh, artifacts and uh, just. Not quite right. So I can see from a museum type standpoint, maybe maybe not. But I can also, uh, after moving that big TV, uh, sympathize <laughs> with them about not having to haul around, you know, a couple hundred pound monitors everywhere they go, and said they'd move around, you know, twenty pound little LCD screens. So right, I think uh, there's a point to where yeah, it's nice, but there's also a point to where the there's a diminishing returns and and uh, it's not really worth what you're going to get out of it. Okay. Okay. So, all right. Well, I mean, that's that's all I had on that. It's it's not a real meaty main topic to to dig into a lot, but uh, I think that uh, I, I've been thinking about uh, as I've been. Well, reading, you didn't give your your uh, opinion. Uh, I I well, I thought I had. I <laughs> uh, I'm I'm of, you just asked me. I, yeah, no, I'm of the same. I'm of the same opinion as you that uh, okay. I, I'm happy to mod the things, even if it's beyond what they're sort of originally were capable of out of the box, in order to have the the highest quality experience uh, on on a CRT tube. So, I mean, I but see to me. When you mod them from what they're originally capable of, in you know quotations, right? They, you can only really mod them if they really were originally capable of, of outputting. Right, sure, right, right, right. Yeah. So, they, like, there's some you know models of the N64 that cannot get what RGB, I believe. Yeah, and so same as some models of the Super Nintendo. Um, so, and some that can. So it's basically they had, they just didn't have the outputs on the back of the console itself, but the system was capable of it. So we're just kind of tapping that hidden power potential inside the system to get a slightly better uh, uh, screen. But yeah, uh, I, I know there are some, I think with the Sega Genesis sound mod, where you actually do have to add some components to it. And I think at that point, you're really starting to uh, add things to try to enhance the experience. And that might make it a little different there. I, I'm not sure if I go that far just to have uh, some better sound quality. Right, right, yeah, yeah. I mean, people have uh, they they do put in like extra chips and stuff like that sometimes. Yeah, yep, mm-hmm. yep, yep. So, um, sorry to cut you off, but yeah, no, that's, I wanted that's to make it. a distinction. <laughs> so, um, okay, well, let, let's go ahead and move on to the next thing because uh, I, I, I need a sound effect noise for that. Oh, <laughs> go ahead. 
There you go. <laughs> uh, all right. So uh, I'm the only one who came up with a form thread of the Fortnite. Uh, you, Yours was big enough. I think it was good for both of us. Yeah. Uh, and I, I actually weighed in a lot within the thread. You, you did a little bit. Uh, <laughs> but there was a thread about Nintendo hurting, which is kind of a silly way of thinking about a company. But uh, it basically the, the thread was a response to um, Nintendo posting uh, much lower than originally anticipated sales numbers, uh, especially for the Wii U, but I think actually for the 3DS as well. Is that right? They, even that was a bit lower than they had projected? It's lower than they, they projected, yeah. but I think it's still by far the best-selling system out right now. Right, right. Um, so, I mean, it's doing well, but not as well as they wanted it to. Right. And Take it for what it's worth. Right. Uh, but the Wii U is doing uh, pretty not very good. poorly by most measures. I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, you know, come March or April, both the uh, the PS4 and the the Xbox One, uh, unless something really drastic happens, w- would meet it, if not surpass it in sales. Because uh, right now they're, what, about three quarters or so of its sales in two months? Yep. Um, so, uh, you know, the Wii U is, is struggling and people in the thread were offering uh, different ideas about why that might be or uh, different potential strategies for uh, Nintendo to, to fix things moving forward. I went into a long, several-page argument about why uh, I am disinterested generally in Nintendo consoles right now, as I, I don't see them as a place where a lot of kind of interesting, influential games are are coming out that have people abuzz and have people talking about you know potential of the the medium. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean that's that's just one reason why I personally don't care to buy one. It's, I don't think that by any stretch explains their their struggling in the marketplace. Um, and so I thought we could talk about this a little bit, whether or not you think Nintendo should be worried, whether or not you think that uh, there's a, a strategy that they need to pursue if, uh, you know, everyone's being reactionary and it's a long game and uh, th- there's nothing really for them to worry about. Uh, there's been rumors of them that seem mostly to be debunked, but rumors about them maybe trying to do some kind of new console uh, to the market very quickly, which I don't know if that would be a bad strategy, actually, but people don't seem to think that's really going to happen. Uh, so, uh, what what are your thoughts on all this? Well, you've done somewhat already, but I'll go ahead and reiterate some. Uh, I personally like the Wii U as a system more than I like the Wii, because it's not based... It, while it has the capability of doing some of the motion controls, it's not based around it, and I mostly despise motion controls. But I like the Wii U remote. Uh, the, the controller, I should say, and the screen. I think it's pretty cool. I love being able to play games off the TV, Say, oh, my wife wants to watch, you know, a show or a movie, or my daughter now wants to watch, put something on. I can flip it over and play it on the, the screen, which kind of acts like a little portable device. Mm-hmm. Which that's really cool to me. I really, I dig that over anything else the Wii could could ever think of doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, d- I hated the Wii controllers. There's some games that are worthwhile playing on there, but I hated the controllers. Uh, despite that, um, I think. Uh, Nintendo has an. I think Nintendo should have beefed up the Wii U a little more to have a little more le- to have some more legs. Uh, they're they're trying to to uh, you know get some of that hardcore gamer, uh, whatever they want to call that, whatever we want to define that as. That you know basically the PS, you know the PlayStation and the Xbox uh, gamers over on their side with some of those type of games. The thing is though, they're not going to be able to compete. Uh, specs wise and uh, for very long if any more at all and any port they're going to get is going to be watered down and basically blown off and uh, their online component's been so weak that people can buy some of these you know uh, AAA type 
shooter multiplayer games that you know sell generally well, but they don't really sell well on the system. So the multiplayer uh, is basically empty. Mm-hmm. And so why why did I buy it on this when I could have bought the more definitive version on one of the bigger systems? So they have that this issue where they're trying to be what they're not, and they're going after that crowd while they didn't do enough to address that crowd or attract them back to their system. I think a lot of that crowd doesn't really trust Nintendo and thinks, oh, that's little kids or, you know, Nintendo nerd systems, basically, is what the mindset would be. And, yeah, I'm gonna, I can get this, you know, new system that displays, you know, this, this, such, such graphics, or I can get a watered down version on there. Which amount am I gonna pick? So, you have that. The other issue is the naming. The naming was pretty bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think most, most, most people agree it's a marketing uh, problem. Uh, people think, you know, is it, is it a Wii? Is it an add-on? Is it an actual new system? They, they don't know. And it's, it's kind of, um, tough to, to find out, to, uh, just, uh, not find out, but as a very casual gamer who doesn't follow, uh, it's easy for them to get confused, I should right. say. So, yeah, I mean, so, I think there's lots of reasons and we could probably yeah. keep going into sort of why it struggled. Uh, mm-hmm. but I, I guess, I guess my question is not so much why it struggled, but whether or not, uh, Nintendo needs to be concerned at this point, and if if so, what their strategy should be going forward. I think mind. they should be concerned, but I don't think they should be as concerned as some people think they should. Kind of, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's as bad. Um, they had issues with the GameCube. Uh, some of this seem to be the same. Um, they also haven't really put out a bunch of games. What what are their big games? They they put out a couple Mario games, which have reviewed pretty well. They they did the Zelda remake, but mm-hmm. it's just a remake. What about when they put out Super Smash Brothers and uh, the next uh, big Zelda entry when the system sellers, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, some of the games I already have are, you know, I think the, the Zelda remake sold some systems, because I think their sales did go up uh, for uh, a little while during that, but uh, right. uh, that wasn't, you know, it's not a new new game, it's a, it's a rehash, so there's a lot of people, oh, well, I still have my GameCube version, I'll just wait on that one, you know, yeah. it's not it's not worth it. So, well, I think they, they need system selling software, which what sells, you know, Nintendo systems, N- big Nintendo IPs, and, you know, the, they've not, they haven't sold systems off third-party games in a long time. While there have been some good third-party games on the systems, that 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 hasn't been their bread and butter. Their bread and butter has always been their Nintendo franchises. So, and they, they haven't. I think they got the system out before they really had a lot of games for it, and I think they, I think the system came out too early. So. I think the jury, if they can survive it and they don't put hit push the panic button and wait for some of these games to come out. Now, maybe in a year from now, if the Zeldas come out or Super Smash Brothers, oh, I don't even know if Zelda's going to be ready yet. But if some of these big, maybe a couple big, you know, Nintendo, you know, franchises have had their major release on the system and the system still hasn't sold well and right. and it's still you know flailing along like it is, then I think. You could start to be a little more concerned, but I don't think they've really had a system seller yet on the system that has, you know, made it a must-have. Yeah, well, I so, mean, you don't, I'm surprised you don't think, I mean, Mar- Mario games, traditionally, what's done that for them? Yeah, but these are like the new Super Mario Brothers U and the Mario 3D Land. These aren't, these are kind of the, it's not like Super Mario Galaxy where that was a major, uh, in, yeah, um, Installment. These are kind of offshoots, sort of. Okay, see, I, th- so I sort of I, thought the 3D one was a uh, a major installment. I thought it was one of the the 3D land offshoot one. Okay, but um, I think Super Smash Brothers will be a big one, and I think uh, 
the, obviously Zelda's going to be huge. So um, uh, there's some others that, that may come out. So, I mean, we'll see. Um, Do you think there's a lot of people who will buy those who haven't yet bought a Wii U? Yes. Okay. I think. I think so. For for one of the... I, I didn't buy a Wii until Super Smash Bros. came out. I had no interest in it at all. Mm. So I waited and waited, and then when Super Smash came out, I bought the Wii with it. So... But I don't know how well representative I am of other gamers. Sure, um, right. Mm. But then there's also the thought as well, what if people really are just getting tired of the same old Nintendo stuff, which... While they usually do a few tweaks here and there, it's kind of the same game with some, you know, a few little wrenches thrown in and some are improvements. Sometimes they're not as well received. And uh, what if we're beyond that? And uh, I think they've lost their casual market to the mobile uh, group. Maybe, you know? maybe the kid market, too, to that same group. Maybe. Uh, a lot of the kid market out well, to that. And I think they, you know, they, they play their handhelds like the, the 3DS. I see a lot of kids with the. Uh, DS and 3DS handhelds. Right. I'm sure they have their cell phones. and uh, I think they have somewhat of an image problem with uh, their their approach with online and uh, some of the shovelware they had and the, the whole the Nintendo's for Kids thing moniker they've had for, you know, at least the last de- decade. And I think that might be catching up to them. And they, they didn't, you know, that the Wii waggle controls brought in all the casuals, but I think a lot of those numbers are inflated because I don't think a lot of those people that bought Wii's when, when they're big really bought a lot of software. Mm. I think they bought a few games and that's it. Whereas a lot of people that buy the other systems buy you know a lot more games. Um, more of a, there's a I can't remember the uh, the name for it the uh, where, where you count how many games per systems people buy. Uh, attach rate. A, yeah, attach rate. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think. I don't, I, I, it could be wrong, but I think the attach rate of these new systems have been higher than what the Wii systems were. Okay. So, um, yeah, but I don't know. I, I know what you think, I, I believe. What do you think I think? <laughs> that they're in trouble? Yeah, well, I, I think, I mean, I don't think there's a question as to whether or not they're currently in trouble. It's a question of whether or not they'll stay there. Um, I, I think they will. I, I think that, uh, I, I don't think there's an IP they could release for the Wii U um, that would sell the system in, in any way that would remain competitive. Um, you know, I, I think at this point they'd be lucky to do GameCube numbers and, and GameCube was, uh, you know, not a very, it's usually seen as their largest failure, uh, in the console market. Uh, I, I, I think they, they, they have maybe two things that they could do. Um, they could do both of them and I think they'd be in really good shape, but I think if they did even just one of them, uh, they, they would stand to fare better. Uh, one option I think would be to, uh, to basically, uh, go the route of creating an entirely new system that is on par with the, the PS4 and the Xbox One. And the reason I think that that might be a viable option is because I would guess that a pretty substantial number of the people who have already bought a Wii U uh, would likely follow Nintendo into whatever they might release yet. Or next. you don't think it would just piss them off? I don't. No, I really don't. It- Hmm. I, I think that uh, I think that the people who are buying the Nintendo Wii U are those who are loyal to the Nintendo IPs, and that they would, you know, they've they've largely bought the Wii U, uh, the promise of those IPs, and would probably buy whatever they put out next but then on the they, same you promise. You don't think they'd feel betrayed and they just wasted all the money? They, Nintendo would have to do something really good to those people to. Yeah, maybe. Kind of like maybe, the, the yeah. early adopter thing they did with the 3DS. Because remember, the 3DS yep, yep, didn't yep. start off well either, and now it's doing pretty good. Yeah, and and uh, they they it did it started doing much better after 
that they released the extra large and where they released the large one. Right. Yeah. Um, and the price drop is a real big right. one. Right. So yeah, I mean, there's ways they could soften the blow to existing Wii U users, but I, I think that that would allow them then to have a system that would get ports. And, you know, if, if someone is looking at a store and they can buy, uh, you know, the Xbox one and, uh, know that they'll be able to play the new Grand Theft Auto or the no call of duty, um, but not the new Mario, and they could also buy a Nintendo and play those same games and the new Mario, um, then uh, there, there's a, you know, I think, better chance that they would buy the Nintendo. Um, you know, to do that, they'd also obviously not just have to beef up their specs, but they'd have to fix their online infrastructure and and, and basically become more like their competitors. Um, I know their strategy right now is is to not do that and to sort of do their own thing, and a lot of people find that attractive, but I, I, I think that... Uh, I think they'd find a larger audience if they did that. The the other option, uh, without doing that, I think would be to um, instead of trying to court third parties uh, to bring their AAA titles to the Wii U, uh, to instead carve themselves out as uh, a place where new developers um, and indie developers uh, can release games that that you wouldn't be able to find elsewhere. Um, to start creating smaller exclusives that are 10 15 20 dollars and building up a stable of those games that remain wii u exclusives but that where people you know would, would be inclined to, to to buy the system to play you know, obviously would have I to hear, have, uh, some developers have really complained about dealing with nintendo oh right they have a horrible reputation as far as that goes and they they uh they would need to again sort of drastically alter uh their their approach um but uh I mean, I think I think they need something other than what they currently have or have planned to bring people to the Wii U, right? Mm-hmm. What they currently have are some uh, popular Nintendo IPs uh, and some other popular Nintendo IPs planned, and then they have what will most likely be primarily uh, watered-down ports of, uh, you know, major titles from major studios. Um, I... I you know, this this gets back to the thing I was talking about in the thread is, you know, a Nintendo console is being a place where uh, you want to be able to, to, to play games that uh, try interesting new things that push the medium in certain directions. And even if it's not going to be on a Wii U, it's not going to be pushing it in directions of new graphics and things like that. Uh, they need to find some other way to make that a desirable system because I think that, uh, you know, I mean, this is for me, but I, I don't think I'm alone in like, you know, the reason that I'm interested in buying the new PlayStation is because it's been a, a platform for the last, you know, five, 10 years that uh, has had a lot of really kind of interesting titles on it that have been developed in house or closely, you know, working with, with, uh, with Sony um, that are smaller, cheaper games. I mean, this is sort of like with the Vita too, right? I would guess probably two thirds of the games I have for the Vita are sort of smaller, cheaper PSN games uh, that do interesting things. They're kind of fun to pick up, and I can't play them on a lot of other platforms, or are the, the playing them on the Vita is a unique experience. And and I don't see Nintendo... That That's one place where I see them sort of really falling behind, where I think they could make up ground without having to kind of, uh, you know, redo their whole system. I, I really think the best approach is to do both of those things, right? To, yeah. to create a new system that also has a really vibrant... Uh, you know, marketplace with smaller indie games that are exclusive um, to the system, and uh, and have those traditional Nintendo IPs. But uh, I, I, they can't stick at the status quo or kind of say, "Well, we have this plan laid out, and uh, w- you know, it'll work." You just have to wait. I, I think they need to be a lot more proactive and and do something uh, 
quickly. I mean, they, this, this, this is, uh, whatever kind of decisions they make, it's going to be probably six months until we can even begin to maybe start thinking about, uh, it taking hold. I mean, but I, I think if they don't have these problems fixed by Christmas this year, they're, they're the Wii U's done. Even with the promises of like Smash Brothers and Zelda coming out? Are they both supposed to be out by Christmas? I think Smash Brothers is. I'm not sure about that. Yeah, no, I don't think one or two. I don't. I don't think one or two new Nintendo IPs or new entries in an existing IP. I, I don't think that's enough. I just really don't. I think. I. I mean. Yeah, you'll probably sell some more systems with. A, a, you know, so what's the Wii U sales right now are what about five million? I uh, I'm not uh, familiar with the figures. Uh, I think. I think. I think that's right. I think they're around five. Um, cause I think the Sony and Microsoft are around three or four for, um, for their new stuff. Uh, I mean, I, I just, and that's been, they've been out for what, a year and a little bit over a year now, a year and three or four yeah. months. I really can't see any new game selling more than an additional million new consoles, right? So, so, you know, even if they kind of sort of stay at the same type of sales they have now, uh, by the end of the year, I'd, I'd be very surprised if they were anywhere near 10 million. I'd, I'd, I'd guess more reasonable would be if they hit 5 million in their first year that maybe they hit 8 by Christmas. I think if they're over 10, then they can linger a bit longer, but I think what they really need to do is be closer to like 15 to 20, and I think I, th- I don't think Nintendo IPs alone will get them there. Now, you think that's what they should do. What do you think they will do? I think that they'll... Uh, do nothing, frankly. I, I, th- I, th- I think it's gonna be, uh, worse than the GameCube for them. I, I think that they're, uh, uh, gonna try to, I, I think they don't understand why the Wii was successful. Um, and they're, they're, they're trying lots of things to kind of duplicate stuff that worked for them in the recent past. I think most of the people that are at Nintendo right now, um, who have made their, their sort of, you know, their, their current careers there. I mean, you have people like Miyamoto and so forth who've been there forever, but I, I think a lot of the, the people making decisions are those who, uh, came in after the failures of the GameCube and who are, uh, you know, doing the same things that they did with the Wii and, and they just, uh, I think their, their insulation from the rest of the gaming, uh, landscape over the last decade is, uh, is hurting them. I, I think, I think where it was once a strength, it's now a weakness. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I, I really think the Wii U will crash and burn. Now that doesn't mean that there's not good games on it. That doesn't mean that it's not a perfectly fine system. It doesn't mean that, uh, you know, it doesn't have some pretty cool features like the touchpad. I, I have interest in playing a Wii U and some Wii U games, but, uh, I also really strongly suspect a year from now, it'll be clearanced out at half price and there's nothing on it that I feel like I need to play in the meantime. So, you know, I'm happy to pick up games when they're cheap, kind of like I did with the GameCube. Um, you know, I, that was being clearanced out at uh, GameStop for, like, less than 50 bucks, and I could pick it up in four or five, mm. four or five of the type, top titles for around 100 bucks when I got the GameCube. Uh, and I really think the Wii U will be uh, suffering a, a similar fate even sooner. Because I don't think they're going to do anything other than say, "Oh, Will Zelda's on its way." I think that's what they're banking on. Yeah, and I don't think it'll work. I mean, you know, they could try price cuts, other kinds of things too. That might make some difference. But I, I, I think, I think the problem is the software that's coming is is not enough to sell the system. Um, the hardware certainly is not enough, and uh, unless they start announcing some 
other not just strictly Nintendo IP software that gets people interested. Um, and, and I just don't see it happening. So like maybe if Bayonetta 2 is like really amazingly good, but there's just so much competition out there. I mean, there's yeah, but Bayonetta 1 didn't really sell that well. No, the- no. Right. Um, I mean, I, I say, and part of it is just, there's so much competition, right? I mean, they, they need to, uh, you need to have something that distinguishes you as a platform. And I think, uh, Microsoft has done that with, uh, well, Halo obviously sells a lot of systems kind of like Zelda does for, for Nintendo, but I think they've done that with developing, a, you know, their console is kind of the place to play online shooters. And, uh, they, they did that with the 360 and the Xbox and they, they know that, uh, fans of a particular genre that happens to be the most popular genre right now are going to be drawn to, to buying an Xbox. I think that, uh, Sony, has carved out a niche for themselves with being fairly eclectic and uh, and featuring uh, you know games that get a lot of critical acclaim. Um, I, I don't know, and th- and they've they've both had success with those models. Um, Nintendo's recent success was motion controls, and that's not al- enough anymore. So they need they need an extra pillar that I don't think they have. Yeah, I don't know if it was all about motion controls. I think. Well, that gave them the big install base, which allowed yeah. which allowed for lots of different titles to flourish. So, um, you know, I mean, I, I I probably have just as many Wii games as I have 360 or, or PS3 games, and and I a definitely lo- do not. A lot of the, a lot of them I, I quite enjoy, and very few of them, frankly, with the exception of like light gun games, are, are motion control games or, or games that feature a lot of motion yeah. controls. I don't like those either. But um, yeah, I mean, it. it because the Wii had a big install base, you know, I have four or five you know, pretty quality RPGs for the system. I have uh, some really nice retro, ar- you know, arcade compilations for it. I have all the Nintendo first-party IPs of, of, of uh, you know, uh, IPs that I that I like. So, I mean, it, it, I, I think that uh, that stuff will come again if they can get the install base up. But I think they need they need a new tack to get the uh, to get that install base up, and I don't think Nintendo IPs alone will do it. So that's a lot about Nintendo Wii U. Uh, and I'm, I'm curious to see uh, if our listeners uh, have other thoughts, or they think uh, you're right, or I'm right, or neither of us are right, or you know, I'm. I'm well, I'm, we already know they have thoughts different than you, and that third, there's some. Yeah, well, there's fierce, some people who want to argue. Yeah, argue pretty hardly that uh, argue pretty hard that Nintendo is still the place for innovation, but yeah, I don't buy it. <laughs> I mean, I just, I, I, you know, I mean, that was my my argument was that in the '90s, uh, they were the place that they were they were a system that one looked to for kind of uh, trends for what's coming in terms of game development. Um, you know, the- well, see, they are. The problem is, is everyone copied them, and it, the well, not everyone copied, but the Genesis was, did some fairly comparable things with Super Nintendo. Mm-hmm. The PS1, and the, the, the thing is that Nintendo's branched off and they kind of have their own identity. What you find on there is unique from what you find on the other systems. That unique. So, the only ones that are going to influence themselves are, are themselves for future releases, basically. They're the only ones that I think they're, they've, they've kind of created a niche of, this is how Nintendo is, and it's Drifted apart from some of the mainstream AAA titles. Right, but but how many how many genres were defined by you know, largely defined, uh, at least in in part on Nintendo consoles, right? I mean RPGs, especially JRPGs, 
uh, platformers, puzzle games. I mean, you, th- you think of all these different genres that are still with us, that are still successful, and they're, they're kind of most important uh, game design influences, the canonical games in those genres uh, existed on Nintendo platforms. If you look at the, the last 15 years or so, 10 years, you look at the genres that are big now, the genres that are uh, selling well, it's first-person shooters, open-world games, it's uh, sports games, right? And uh, Nintendo doesn't have consoles. sports games started on Nintendo. Yeah. Okay. Granted. For the most yeah. part. But 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 the but uh, well Atari even. Yeah. But, or, know, or, or Western Western, Western RPGs, right? Yeah. I mean, but if you if you look at the genres that have been really successful in the last decade or more, uh, Nintendo has not had you know influential games in those in those you know in, in those series in those in those genres rather, three uh, D hack and slashes, you know, other kinds of things as well. Um, outside of Mario Kart, you know, I can't think of the last time Nintendo had a sort of high quality racing game that. People saw as as influential. Excite uh, people like the Excite Truck. Yeah, I. I but whether it's well, it's a good game, but I don't think. Yeah. I mean, if you look at like the trend of racing games, it's it's either um, arcade style games that are more like the Burnout series or this Need for Speed series, um, which which have uh, like a lot of online features to them, which have um, you know uh, lots of really interesting multiplayer things going on, which have uh, you know uh, shops where you can buy this and download that and all kinds of other things. Or, or it's the more realistic sim games, right? Like the Forza or the Gran Turismo. Where, you know, Nintendo doesn't have stuff like that. Well, they did have Wii Fit. Yeah, did, yep. I think that didn't get mentioned a lot. And that yep. kind of spawned that whole fitness. fitness on your console trend that went on for a little while. Yep, yep. Um, I think that was a big one because that was selling a lot. And they also were a big one of the, uh, what was it, the, uh, I can't even think of the name, the, the, well, you buy all the little figurines for it. Uh, Spyro, the uh, Skylanders. Yeah, but that's a multi-platform game. Yeah, but I think they sold really well on the Wii. Did as it? Opposed to some of the other, yeah. Okay. I think that was one of the lead platforms for it. Okay. If I'm not mistaken. I could be mistaken. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. It was multi-platform, but I think the, the Wii was well-featured in it. Um, and I think it, I think that Disney one's coming out too for them all, but I don't know if that one's doing quite so well. Uh, but yeah, the Skylander thing was, was pretty strong for the Wii. Um, I know the Wii Fit and the peripherals. Now they they have Wii Fit U, but I don't know. I, you know, I think that that, that trend's kind of come and gone. Um, I'm trying to think. Yeah, you're else. also talking about genres that typically most most uh, you know people who buy a lot of games and are into gaming don't really care about. Right. Yep. So yep. I mean, I you know again, I I I like <laughs> I like Nintendo systems. I think they have good games for them that are a lot of fun. I just don't see them as a place for. Uh, influential trends uh, in, in software development. Hardware, yes. A lot of people take cues from their hardware development. Uh, and I think you're putting a little too much stock on things that are influential, though. What do you mean by that? As in, it's more. It seems like something kind of like an arbitrary thing to just uh, focus on. Oh, they're influential. Like I said several a few times, is what's influential is what sells a lot, and everyone's going to copy it until the, tr- the the trend goes away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Auto sold a whole lot. Okay, so now we're going to make some open world games. Mm-hmm. This sells a whole lot, so we're going to do this in our game. Now we're going to copy that. So it, it's not so much they did it well; it's just they did it enough to sell it well. Yeah, but okay, but I mean, even if that's the measure, uh, if, if you look at you know the top selling Nintendo Wii or GameCube games, I mean, it's it's mostly Nintendo IPs that uh, aren't being 
copied a whole lot, right? So there's not a lot of because uh, they're ni- they're kind of Nintendo specific, right? 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 So so I mean, you're not seeing uh, you know tons of Mario clones or tons of uh, you know Mario Kart clones or tons of Zelda clones or tons of you know you're not you're not seeing lots of these. Uh, in contemporary gaming, whereas if you look at the top-selling titles, so I, I agree, money has a lot to do with it. But if you look at top-selling titles for other platforms, you can see uh, them launching genres or shifting trends in the discipline or in the discipline in the, in the industry. Um, doesn't happen with Nintendo titles. I think it's more of a case of not so much what's influential or not, but what's. Uh the trends on that title are on that system itself. Uh, they're they're so different to each other that uh, they, they they're kind of Nintendo's kind of in their own bubble away from the other two. I think the Sony and Microsoft compete against each other a lot more than they do with Nintendo. Kind of sure, yeah. So I, I think they've branched off to a point to where you're you're getting different experiences. Yeah, no, I I I would agree with that, but I think that's part of the problem. I think Nintendo needs to. Uh, I think they got lucky with that approach with the Wii because of the novelty of the controls. And I, I think that uh, traditionally they, they, you know, when they were more competitive, when they've had most comp- the most competitive consoles, they've had consoles that were, uh, you know, slightly better than uh, the, their competition in most cases, right? Their, their best-selling consoles, these, the NES and the Super NES, relative to the competition, uh, you know, were, uh, they're, they're, they were the most powerful of the era. Now, you know, the Wii is a different story, and obviously it was the best selling of that generation, and it was the weakest. Well, were they really the most powerful, though? You don't think the Super Nintendo was the most powerful and the NES was the most powerful of its of its era? As far as uh, hardware? Yeah. No? No? What was, what was more powerful in each? Uh, um, the PC Engine? Yeah. And in some ways, the Genesis is more powerful than the Super Nintendo. Mm, in some ways, but I I think that the, yeah. it's not a I don't think there's no slam there's no it's not it's not a slam dunk yeah 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 but it's not obvious it's not you could say oh yeah the all right well Super all right so so maybe I won't say more but I'll say close I think it was the Nintendo they were, was lucky from what they they hit it just right and that Mario was a huge hit and you know the Sega Master System wasn't really supported the Atari was you know an afterthought at that time so Nintendo was the it. Mm-hmm. Now, Super Nintendo was a good system, but it also rode on the coattails of the NES. Now you had Nintendo fans; they're going to get the next Nintendo item. So, and Sega did do a good dent with the Genesis, mm-hmm. and they, they they had some market. But you're riding on that Nintendo. Everyone called. What do you? You weren't playing video games. You were playing Nintendo because of the NES, right? So, but and it also helped that the Super NES had, uh, you know, great games for it as well, and it was a, it was a very good system. So. I think that's what started, and, and that's why they had that market share difference. Not necessarily that the systems were so much superior than their uh, well, or at least they were close to them, right? So they weren't they weren't a generation behind in, <laughs> right. in specs. Sure. So all right, I mean, I mean I, I'm overreaching with saying they were superior, but uh, <laughs> they, they were they were you know, and the N64, which uh, had that's some where they started. Yeah, I mean, and that had some pretty uh, strong technical differences between it and the PS1, but nonetheless, like. Uh, they got some some of the same games, and the the uh, you know the the games were uh, had some parity in terms of the, the their capabilities of the the graphics and and so forth across the systems of you know the Saturn and the 
uh, N64 well, and the PS1. The, yeah. N- the N64 is a big reason why the GameCube had so much trouble. Uh, Sony kicked it off huge with the PS1 and the disc-based systems, and a lot of people felt spurned by the what the N64 did and what they didn't do. Like me. I was pissed at my N64. Well, it's got some good games that I enjoy, and there's some games on it that some people consider the best, some of the best of all time. But overall... I think there's a lot of people that, you know, the PS1 was just, you know, took everything by storm then. And at that point, I think there is more uh, confidence in uh, the Sony brand machine, which carried on to the PS2, than uh, with the GameCube at that point, due to some of the, the blunders they made with the N64. Mm-hmm. So I think the GameCube was a victim of some of the Nintendo's mistakes on the N64, basically the, the cart system and, uh, and some other game, you know, they didn't have hardly any RPGs on it, for one. They didn't have a lot of other games that, you know, were more mature games. It kind of started getting that ki- Games for Kids moniker where all those kids that played Nintendo games are now starting to grow up, and they're not kids anymore. So, they, so you know, whether it's justified or not, it, it got that label. Right, right. But I think we can... Probably should move on. We can Probably, sit there and talk yeah, about, we'll talk about Nintendo all day, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, well, it'll so, be interesting to see at least how how or if they respond to these uh, these numbers. Yeah, for sure. So, all right. Well, let's go ahead and dive into the uh, the questions and feedback. I'll let you get going with this. All right. Uh, your question for everyone is: Here's a question for you. What game or series did you once dislike, but now consider among your favorites? Right. So, uh, Daniel Primed, uh, on Twitter said, uh, the Fallout series would be, uh, or at least Fallout. He didn't say series. He said, uh, Fallout hated it first. It was very abstract and unintuitive, but later the world sucked him in. Um, and, uh, I, I could certainly, uh, ha- if, as far as the series goes, I can see that I, I never, despite trying, could get into the first couple Fallouts, but Fallout 3 and Vegas, uh, I enjoyed, um, you know, very different game in many ways, but, uh, uh, I didn't care for the series and now I do. Um, well, so a lot of the diehards would be very ashamed at that statement. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for me, I really don't have any, um, there's some I may have disliked, but now I can tolerate like mush mups, I guess, mm-hmm. but the, I still wouldn't call them amongst my favorites by any means. Um, they're mostly a lot of the retro games I play now are the ones I just never got to play. Like I never played any Turbo Graphics games back in the day, so now I'm playing that and I enjoy them. And and uh, it's more of a case of games I series I never played before. Now I enjoy them for the first time. Kind of like the East series. Uh, I never played those back in the day, and uh, I really like that series now. But uh, I, I guess I've been fairly consistent with my my gaming tastes. Okay. As in, uh, I know what I like. I, another one I would say for for me uh, would be um, Diablo. Um, mm-hmm. I, I uh, s- spent lots of time and, and sort of Diablo clones in general, right? So I uh, many times tried playing Diablo one, several times tried playing Diablo two, and just could not get into them. But uh, really liked Diablo three. Uh, played the uh, both the Torchlight games and really enjoyed those. And uh, it's a genre that I now like. Uh, I play. I played a little bit of the. Um, uh, the, the, uh, Van Helsing game, uh, mm-hmm. that's on the, the PC. Um, it's a genre that I now enjoy, um, where before, you know, not even just a series, but the genre was, was off-putting to me. So, 
That's I've always liked the Diablo games since the very first one. So yeah, <laughs> I was enthralled. Yeah, and I mean, it's hard for me to quantify why I didn't, and now I do. But uh, uh, anyway, uh, Alien Jesus uh, gave an example of uh, Shinobi um, saying that he disliked it um, more so that he didn't like the Revenge of Shinobi because it was too hard when he was a kid. But as he got older and better, he was able to enjoy it more. And he could get past World 3. On the other hand, he's gotten worse at other games. So things like Golden Axe and Streets of Rage. Um, he now uses a lot more lives today than he used to back then. Uh, and Ack kind of answered in a way that, that followed up with uh, what Alien Jesus said in terms of uh, thinking about the opposite uh, approach to the question. Um, where he couldn't think of examples of games that he didn't like but now does. Um, but he can think of things that he used to greatly enjoy and now doesn't, most notably things like Call of Duty and Resident Evil, uh, because they've been so saturated. Yeah, I can see that. Yep. Uh, Stark says, uh, on topic, he, he's never really cared for Deus Ex, but really enjoyed Human Revolution. Uh, I'm excited to see what they do next with that series. Uh, and he says, Grand Theft Auto, I didn't really like any of uh, them until uh, 4. <laughs> I didn't play any of Vice City, though which I've heard is a series high for story. Uh, some games like these, I think, as a case of everyone is sick of this now, and I'm not because this is the first game in the series I've really played. Yeah. Yeah, the, the Grand Theft Auto 4 is probably my, my least favorite in the whole series, so that's... Uh, I really couldn't get into them. Uh, I liked some of the first, the top-down ones back in the day, Yep. and I, I wasn't really into them, but I, I, played it, I played it Grand Theft Auto 2 some, and I, and I liked it, but... You know, I could appreciate what the, you know, the, the PS2 Grand Theft Autos did. It's just, I, I've, like I said many times before, I, uh, I can play it for a couple hours and I just get bored and I'm tired of doing all the goofing off. I need more, uh, something more direction, something. I just thought that the quests and the stories were boring. Maybe, maybe some of the new ones have improved on that summit. I've heard they have, but there's so many other games for me to play that someday maybe I'll get to them. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Alien Jesus also asked, uh, are there any games that you guys were significantly better at as kids than you are now? And he gives the, uh, Tony Hawk series as an example. Uh, any, anything that you can think of that, uh, you used to be good and now you suck? You know, I think I, I was better at platformers back in the day. I remember you used to be able to kick ass at the old Ninja Turtles game. And I think I've tried that again and I sucked at it, you know, a little swimming in the water area. I remember beating that with not too much problem, uh, problems. I used to be able, oh, and another one was, uh, um, uh, punch out, Mike Tyson's punch out. I play. I was playing that again on, uh, I guess one of the, the Wii U Virtual Console when it was like a dollar or so, mm-hmm. and uh, I remember doing so much better as a kid in Punch Out than than I was doing there. I, I had some, you know, I didn't totally suck, but I, I struggled on some. I remember used to be able to beat fairly easy, but that's one of those games. I think once you really start practicing and playing it a lot, you really start getting it down, and that maybe that's why because I rented it a few times and I. You know, sit there and play the hell out of it until I had to go back. So. Mm. But uh, some platformers um, and, and games like that, uh, I, I recall being better as a kid. I, I would say for me, sports games in general. Uh, mm. and, and that's, I don't know so much that, uh, you know, I've just, uh, I don't, I, the, the sports games I played as a kid, I'm probably still just as, as, you know, competent at those sports games as I was then. Um, but since sports games themselves have, uh, become so much more complex and uh, try to emulate, you know, the real game uh, more and more. I, I, just in the past uh, month or two, I, I played um, you know, probably half dozen games of uh, the newest NHL on the uh, the, the PS3, and um, 
uh, for Christmas, I got the uh, the new NBA 2K14 and probably played a uh, half dozen games or so on that, and, and I, I couldn't win. Like, on the default settings, <laughs> like, I couldn't win any of these games. I'd, like, you know, pick good teams or uh, try to dial down this or that setting to be something closer to what I wanted or adjust the the buttons or sticks to something a bit more simple. And um, something about the speed and the flow and the, uh, the way that they're uh, sort of, you know, the way that they've tried to become a bit more sim-like has uh, made me really not very good at them. Now, Madden I can still do okay, uh, but uh, other other genres of sports I'm I'm not as good. And I'm, I'm not as good at Madden now as I was when I was a kid, so I say sports games in general. Yeah, that's kind of the case for me, but mine doesn't go back to when I was a kid. Mine goes back to when I was in college. When I played Madden in college, I was... I would humbly say, I guess, I was really good at it. And I'd play in some <laughs> online leagues and I would always make the playoffs, sometimes go undefeated, you know, win the Super Bowl kind of thing, and these online communities. And now I'm still competitive, but I, I don't dominate like I used to. And I attribute a lot to a lot just not having the time I did in college to just practice all the time or, or just play it all the time. We play uh, nonstop, you know, f- franchise modes with friends in the dorms and the apartments, and then I'd get online and play in the leagues. And there's, you know, I lived and breathed Madden, Madden, Madden. Uh, but now I, you know, I still play at a, a d- decent clip like that in NCA, but it's not like I used to. So I think my skill skills have diminished. And the online communities have also flourished more since you know the mid two thousands. So I guess there's there's more competition now, yeah. more practice competition. So, but uh, I guess that kind of answers that question. That kind of falls into that question. Some. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm similar with like online first person shooters, like Quake Three, the original Unreal Tournament. Uh, I could hold my own online, sometimes mm-hmm. win on, you know, uh, leaderboards on a particular server or something. Um, you know, now, uh, if I pop in the newest Call of Duty and go online, I get killed every five seconds. It's pretty sad. Well, with me, when a game first comes out, if it's not too derivative and exactly the same game, I, I'm pretty, I'm really competitive at first when everyone's kind of on the same playing field. Yeah. But then there's after the game's been out for a while and some people just you know play right, the hell out right, of it and right, get really right. good. That's when they start, you know, kicking my butt. Yeah. Because I, I don't put the time into those and I, I get tired of them. So, I remember the, uh, the, um, the Tom Clay, the Rainbow Six games, the, mm-hmm. the New Vegas games. I was really good online at both of those. And I would, you know, go through tearing people up. But, you know, some of the Halos, I was always, you know, mediocre at best. Gears, I was decent at when I first came out. But then, and I'd go play it again later on. And these people had just, you know, became pros at it. And then again, you also have the people who stay playing it for a long bout of time and the people that are really good at it and really enjoy it. So a lot of the, the people are just casually playing it go away. So right. the competition's the cream of the crop instead of everyone at that point. So. But yeah, I can see what you uh, what you mean there. Yep. yep. And the second question: uh, Any series you loved when you were younger that you just can't play anymore? I was a big fan of the Tony Hawk game uh, growing up, but uh, going back to Tony Hawk Pro Skater Two for Together Retro last year, I found it to be unplayable. Oh, you know, I thought this was part of the same question. All right. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Even later games in the series, like uh, Tony Hawk Underground Two, I guess, felt off to me, and I played that one to death. Um, series I loved when I was a kid and I can't play anymore. Uh, well, I mean, other than stuff I just sort of talked about in terms of sports, um, you know, I guess some of those are technically the same series, but they're so different. Well, you could play and they just not yeah, very good. Yeah, right? yeah, right. So, I mean, I'm, I'm just trying to think if there's a, 
like you know particular games that I used like, to play a lot. Is there any like old Nintendo games where oh that was fun as a kid? Then I you, you hadn't aged well, and you go back to play it now, and you're like oh this game's pretty bad. There's some um my my first I've talked about this before. The first console that I had was an Atari seventy eight hundred, and while I have a uh, a lot of love for the seventy eight hundred, there are some games that I spent hours on as a kid that now I can't play for more than five minutes without kind of you know wanting to throw my hands up. So um, yeah, there, there's some games like that. Like like there's this horrible seventy eight hundred game called Cracked. Which is a uh, it's a light gun game, but uh, I didn't have a light gun. I used to play it with a controller, and uh, I'd spend you know hours playing this thing. And, and now uh, even with a light gun, I can't I can't look at it for more than about three minutes. Um, and it just I've had my fill. So uh, that that would be one example of a game that uh, you know I'm done with now. <laughs> yeah, there's uh, light gun games for me too. As a kid, I, I'd like them, but now I I tried Duck Hunt and I just ugh. I used to like playing duck hunting as a kid. Yeah. Um, well, I still like light gun games, but that, that one in particular, yeah. <laughs> too much. Well, they, see, that's uh, what that's you should. One. That's what you should have for your Wii. Is you should have that. They have some great light gun games for the Wii. But that's why I don't. I don't really care for. Yeah. Them anymore. Uh, another one is like some of the, I. I remember renting like the Jeopardy on the NES and and Wheel of Fortune, and I would actually enjoy those. And yeah. I I really couldn't enjoy those anymore. I don't think. Um, so those are examples. Yeah, I would uh, say like the like the, like the um, Duke Nukem games and both the 2D and the 3D. I enjoyed mm-hmm. more as a kid. I I can't stand them now. Um, Goldeneye. Uh, while I could still stand it, I can't really play that yeah, that's, anymore. That's tough to get back to. Yeah. Uh, some people still play that all the time. Sure. Then, but yeah. it, the graphics are so bad now that I'm like looking at the guy in the distance. Is that a guy? I can't really tell. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that's one of the genres that really I think. Graphics improves the gameplay to a degree. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, RPGs. The, the Genesis really... game Zero Tolerance, even earlier I first like person shooter. I, I I played the hell of it as a kid. Like I I would doubt that I could play it for very long now. Yeah, I'm not sure. It's kind of a that's kind of a Doom clone type game. So yeah, but it's it's hard. Like I was playing Doom on the 32x, and I could recently, and I could go back and play that. But um, I I would think I'd have troubles with the. Uh, Zero tolerance. I don't know. Maybe I'll try it. Try it before we record next. I I just rebought it and I need to try it. Um, but my, my other thing would be mediocre or average games. You know, I I have access to all these games now, to where I don't really have the patience for bad overall bad or or just average games. Um, as a kid, I only had a couple games, and I rented a game. I got it for that weekend. You know, I better like it because that's all I got. You know, that's what I'm playing. Right. Now I have over a thousand games, and most of these games are for you know fairly cheap to obtain if I really wanted them. And I have all these options in this big backlog. I don't have the patience or the time to waste playing you know an average game when I have so many possibly really good games to play. So. I think my biggest thing is that I don't have the patience for games that aren't that good. Yeah. As a kid, I didn't care as a game. I'm playing it unless it was just absolutely horrible. <laughs> All right. And uh, a couple more questions here. We're almost winding it up. Uh, back to our fun Ogre Battle talk. Ak asks, how do you and Jay Mustang feel Ogre Battle, March for the Black Queen, fits into fits both into the Ogre Battle series and the pantheon of great SNES RPGs. Well, seeing as you haven't played it... Yeah, I can't answer this. Um, and I think my answer is already obvious. Uh, it's one of my... Not only one of my favorite Super Nintendo games, uh, it is one of my favorite games of all time. And um, 
So I think it's great. I think it's one of those. It's still one of those games where some of the hardcore fans really know and uh, you know, big into games know of it and think praise it. But it's also one of the. It's kind of. I guess it's a, a, a big cult, cult classic now. And it's one of those. Uh, most people are like ogre battle. What's that? I, I have an ogre battle shirt and I will wear it. And it's, like, someone asks me, "Is that from World of Warcraft?" Mm. You know, they, they give me questions like that. And um, so yeah, I think it's it's great. I think it's one of those that's still under the radar to some degree. And I'm hoping more can play it. And um, now, as far as the series goes, uh, overall, the ogre battle '64 might have stronger uh, gameplay and definitely stronger graphics, but. This has, I guess, more of a special place in my heart just because it was the first one that got me in the series, and it basically starts this story off, uh, at least for the games that are available. It says Chapter 5 in the, in the story, so I guess he had kind of like, you know, what uh, Peter Jackson did, or uh, uh, George Lucas did with Star Wars. Oh, right, uh, yeah. <laughs> when he started out with the Episode 4, well, this one starts at Episode 5, and so he, I guess he pick what he thought was the most interesting spot to start with but uh, story-wise it ties into the other ones as as the the first uh of the games that released so tactics ogre and ogre battle 64 each kind of happen around the same exact time as each other and happen basically right after the uh, ending of ogre battle on the super nintendo march of the black queen Mm -hmm. and the uh, game boy advance one actually may have happened around the same time ogre battle before but it was a prequel to tactics ogre and didn't have much overlap anywhere else uh, besides just being in the same world but you know it being a totally different game than the tactics ogre in uh games and being just like the the precursor to the ogre battle 64 games i think it's a, a great entry and start off to the series so Okay, so would you say it's um, uh, stronger than like the like the uh, uh, the, the other uh, sort of like well-known Square RPGs for the Super Nintendo, like Chrono Trigger or the Final Fantasies, with five or six? Or? I think it's up there personally yeah. for my own personal taste. Uh, you know, if you go back, what are the Super Nintendo games you really love? It's uh, Final Fantasy VI, Ogre Battle, and probably Chrono Trigger, maybe Final Fantasy IV. They're all but, you know, right up there to me. So, well, you know, you know what the best, uh, the best RPG for the Super Nintendo is, right? Final Fantasy VI: yeah, Link to the Past. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, oh, don't get me started on that. <laughs> All right, uh, last. But then, then again, like I said, also one last thing: it's so unique yeah. and different that it's hard to compare them. Sure. Yeah. So it's got its own spot just because it's different. Okay. So the the last question uh, comes by Stark. Uh, wants to know who we think will win the Super Bowl: Hawks or Broncos? Let's pull out Tecmo Bowl and find out. Right? It's retro. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Um. I. I'm. I'm gonna guess the Broncos. But it's a. It's a it should be. You know. It's. It's hard I, to call. I want the Broncos to win, but I. F- I have a feeling the Hawks might, and uh, a lot of it's due to where they're playing in the weather. Mm-hmm, uh, yeah. The that weather situation is gonna really. Um, help out a, a defensive type team like the Seahawks where, and they also have a great run game, whereas the, you know, Denver relies much more on the pass and Manning has had some, uh, historic struggles in poor weather and cold weather and outside. So things favor the, the Seahawks in that regard, but you, you also have, you know, uh, second year quarterback with the Seahawks. You know, what, what kind of output will he have? I could say, uh, you know, 
arguably one of the best players of all time, Peyton Manning, on the other side. So yep. it's a, definitely a, a good showcase of uh, the two number one teams that everyone thought was going to make it actually made it, which doesn't really happen very no, often. No. So, but yeah, I, I'm hoping for the Broncos to win, but I have a, uh, I think the Seahawks would win. I, I, I think, I don't think the Seahawks are, uh, I, I mean, I think they're really good, but I think the Broncos have faced much, much tougher competition. Um, I don't. You don't. You don't think, you don't think the, uh, AFC. The Seahawks went through, no. Playoff teams are, the, are tougher than the NFC playoff teams this year? No. Uh, I think the 49ers and uh, the Saints are very tough opponents to beat. Hmm. Um, I think 49ers are, would give any of the AFC teams a, a run for their money. Yeah. And at the beginning of the season, the AFC was beating up on the NFC, but towards the second half of the season, the NFC dominated the AFC for the most part. Okay. And uh, I think what you got past Denver, even... New England was not a it was a very underwhelming twelve and four team. Yeah, yeah. To me, and they were the, the second seed. Whereas I felt New Orleans, Carolina, well, maybe not New Orleans, but Carolina, uh, Seahawks, and Forty uh, Nine ers were, were stronger than than New England. So I don't know. Um, now, for all, all the listeners who haven't already turned us off. <laughs> uh, I guess that that's it for this show. I don't know. I, I'm fresh out of uh, of uh, sound effects, people, so you'll you'll have to forgive me. Oh, all right. Well, then in that case, we've actually uh, got a quiet ending here. Yeah. In that case, uh, we'll just go ahead and remind you to uh, uh, stay in touch. Um, you can uh, follow us on Twitter at Racket Boy Podcast, or you can uh, send us a note on the forums. Um, you know, we're, we're happy to answer questions uh, as you post them on the, the, the Racket Boy website, or you can post in the comments section underneath the podcast or, or anywhere else. So let us know what you think. Let us know if you have questions. Uh, thank you for listening, and until next time, here's some music to put you in the mood.